and welcome to the All Purpose NFL Podcast. I am your host, AP, and in this episode, I'm going to talk about the Steelers not being very good on offense, the Dolphins versus Raiders down to the wire game, how the rookie quarterbacks this year are not doing too hot, and a new number one in my power rankings. So let's get into it. Highlights, analysis, and a few hard hits. This is the Game Day Blitz. So the Steelers faced the Bengals at home this week, and they lost. And as a Steelers fan, it was very frustrating because I didn't think that we had the worst quarterback in the division, but now I know that we have the worst quarterback in the division. And I don't think we'll be able to recover from that. The offense just looks bad. And it looks bad as a function of being not being able to play well anymore. I do believe that Ben Roethlisberger is still good enough to be a starter in the NFL. I do believe that if he didn't do Ben Roethlisberger things, he could have success. Recently, I heard someone talking about the difference between the end of Drew Brees' career and the end of Ben Roethlisberger's career. And honestly, the biggest problem is Ben has relied so much on his physical traits over the course of his career that the mental never really had to be there. The flip of that is... Drew Brees never really had the physical, but the mental was there. Drew Brees could still do things because he had the mental. Ben Roethlisberger doesn't really have the mental, and the physical is making it look that much worse. What's even more frustrating is the Steelers are a good team. When you look at the pieces that they have, you have three quality starting wide receivers. Juju, Chase, Deontay. You have James Washington as your fourth wide receiver. On top of that, you have Eric Ebron, who is a solid tight end, and Pat Fryermuth, whose name is just kind of funny to say, but who looks like he may be a very good tight end in the NFL. You have Najee Harris, who looks like a very good back. He was drafted in the first round for a reason. And in all of that, the offense is being wasted by Ben Roethlisberger, but also by the O-line who sucks at blocking. Najee had 14 carries for 40 yards. That is a function of poor blocking. Overall, watching Ben play is just painful because he's old and he looks it, which is it's really odd comparing Ben to the other two elder statesman quarterbacks in the NFL. You have Tom Brady, who... I don't know if he's like paying father time or what, but Tom doesn't look like he's getting old at all. Tom also takes a whole lot better care of his body, but that's a conversation for a different day. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ben is stiff, he can't move well, and his bad decision making is made that much worse. Like the interception where somehow he didn't see the defender standing five yards in front of him, and he basically just handed it to him because he couldn't physically move far enough out of the way to make the play. And so as he tried to make a bad decision, his physical limitations just made it that much worse. 
I wholeheartedly fault Ben for his horrible decision making, him being old, and him not being able to move. However, for the Steelers, there has to be a change in the way that games are being played and how they're being coached. Because Ben Roethlisberger threw the ball 58 times. That can't happen. I am by no means a proponent of any quarterback throwing the ball more than 40 times. At the point that you are throwing the ball 40 or more times, your game plan is flawed. There's no reason for a quarterback to throw the ball 40 plus times. I think that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league today and maybe the best quarterback that I've ever seen. At no point do I want him throwing the ball 40 times. And I feel like his arm talent is amazing. So if I don't believe that Pat should do it, there is absolutely no godly reason why Ben Roethlisberger at 39 years old should be throwing the ball not only 50 times, but 58. Something's got to give. Here's the thing. Ben has thrown the third most times this season, but has the 14th most passing yards and is 25th in completion percentage. The offense needs to find another gear and fast because if not, this season will be over and over quickly. For the Bengals, this was a good but not great showing. Four of their 12 drives were three and out. One of them was a four and out. They got a great first down, and then three plays later, they were punting. Overall, it was a solid performance, but honestly, if Big Ben had played better, they wouldn't have won that game. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase looks like a great pairing, which I am wholeheartedly tooting my own horn in this moment. I said that it would be smarter to get Jamar Chase than it would have been to get Panay Sewell. I do believe Panay Sewell would have been a great option, but this was an option that put Joe Burrow in a position where he was happy and familiar with a player. You don't get much better than that, and it seems like it's working. Jamar Chase had four catches on five targets for 65 yards and two touchdowns. Jamar Chase has four touchdowns for the season in three games. This situation has the potential for a lot of success, and if it keeps going, they could be one of the better pairings for years to come. The Bengals' defense is something to watch. I can't tell if they played really well or Ben is just that bad right now. We will see, but it will be very interesting to figure out what happens moving forward. The Bengals play on a short week as they go up against the Jags on Thursday night, and the Steelers face the Packers next week. As a Steelers fan, that hurt to say that coming off of a loss to the Bengals, we get the Packers next. Next up, we have the Dolphins versus the Raiders. Wow, this was an entertaining game that started one way, went another way, and then swung back the original way. From the start, I honestly can say that I thought the Raiders had fallen back down to earth because they've been playing at such a high level. They beat the Steelers. They beat the Ravens. They are playing at a very high level. And so to start the game down 14 to 
a Dolphins team that does not have their starting quarterback, I was like, oh, okay. They're coming back down to earth. No. No. They proved me wrong. They're still very good. And what I will say is the defense was the question. Derek Carr has been solid for the past two years. This year, Derek Carr is first in passing yards with 1,200 yards through three games. He's second in attempts and completions. Although he's 10th in touchdowns with six, he's thrown two touchdowns in every game so far. And he only has two picks. Derek Carr deserves more respect than he's gotten, but it's hard to think about him in a positive way based on the way that we generally think about the Raiders and the low level of success that John Gruden has had and the general feeling that John Gruden doesn't really like Derek Carr. I can honestly say I don't like their wide receiving core. It it doesn't pop off the page to me in the way that I would like it to, but it functions and it works. They don't have a true number one wide receiver. I guess you could possibly say that their number one was Darren Waller, but... It, it's not necessarily the same. However, it's a very solid wide receiving core. Hunter Renfro is a great asset and safety blanket. Like, he's just as good for Derek Carr as a great tight end. And they already have a great tight end in Darren Waller. And so it's a really interesting dynamic in the way that they make it happen. And it is generally a joy to watch. I can honestly say I love watching the Raiders games and hearing when Hunter Renfro gets a third down and the announcers say third and Renfro. I am really excited to see what the Raiders do because I do very much like Derek Carr. And so I want him to have success. I'm curious about what's going to happen because it's not like I haven't seen them start off hot and fall off. But I do feel like the Raiders are doing really well. And from a defensive standpoint, they are putting it together this year in a way that makes them that much more dangerous. They only gave up one drive that was more than 50 yards in this game. It just so happened to be the final drive that led to OT. But they did a really good job of shutting Jacoby Brissett down for the majority of the game. He's not the starter, but still, they played really, really well. Speaking of Jacoby Brissett, I really want to say that Jacoby Brissett is a quality backup in the NFL. And he does he does a really good job. He got the short end of the stick when it came to Andrew Luck retiring and that team not being built for success in the way that it needed to be for him to have the level of success that he needed to. Brissett is a quality player for the position that he's in and who he is. He's a backup, and he functions well as a backup. And a lot has been asked of him. In this particular game, he threw and completed more passes than any other game in his career, going 32 of 49, which, like I said earlier, is throwing the ball way too much. But still, he had success. The Dolphins' defense was solid. They held up as much as they could. But when your offense isn't really sustaining drives, it's hard to have success. The biggest problem they had was the 21 unanswered points to end the first half and start the second half. What makes this worse is all three of those drives 
were nine plus plays and 70 plus yards. It's a bad run, but they held the Raiders in check for the rest of the game. It's a small bright spot to take away from this loss. They have a hard road to toe. Hopefully, two will come back and we'll see what happens. The Dolphins face the Colts next, so that'll be an interesting matchup, while the Raiders will face the Chargers on Monday night. Next up is the 49ers versus the Packers. This game was a surprise to me because the last time we saw Aaron Rodgers face a healthy 49ers team, both times in 2019, it was a massacre. I expected that to happen again, but that's not what we got. Although the score didn't say it at the end of the first half, Aaron Rodgers was almost perfect. He was 16 of 18 in the first half with 184 yards and a touchdown. Devontae Adams had seven catches for 73 yards. Side note, I love Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, and I never thought it would happen. I saw Devontae Adams as a quality number two at best until the 2015 season when Randall Cobb was supposed to step up and be the number one option for the Packers when Jordy Nelson went down and he shrunk and Devontae Adams stepped all the way into that number one role and he has been absolutely one of the best wide receivers in the NFL since then. As such, it's hard not to love these two and when they're on, they're on. Even despite the big hit that Devontae took, he got knocked out. I was for sure that it was a concussion and he was not coming back. There were a few minutes in between and he came right back out and played. And when asked about it later, he said, I'm just built different. And apparently he is because I've seen people take similar hits and not come back for weeks. He was right back out there. That's really admirable. The Packers are still one of the top teams in the NFC behind only the Bucks and the Rams. And this showed it. But let's be honest, the biggest thing about this game was their final drive. Like the idea that the Packers had fizzled out in the second half and were only up by six with less than four minutes left in the game. And they gave the ball back and the 49ers were able to drive it down the field and leave 37 seconds on the clock. And Aaron Rodgers took his team down the field and put them in position to score a field goal and win the game. That is amazing. That is why Stephen A. Smith calls him a bad man. It is one of the reasons why Aaron Rodgers is considered one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. He's someone you trust. And that trust means a lot. However, I, I will say, going to the 49ers... The way that they played that final drive was a problem because they played a soft zone and basically let Devontae Adams beat them. There is no reason why there should not have been someone plastered to him. I don't care if you leave the rest of the field open in that one position with the way that the game has gone and who Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers are, there needs to be someone who is literally on his back the entire final drive. And the 49ers didn't do that, and it cost them. It was not a good way to end the game, at least for the 49ers. They played a generally solid game, but 
that was a horrible way to end the game. And they are completely at fault for losing that game. Also, as far as the 49ers go, I feel like this needs to be said and not enough people say it, but I feel like there are a few commentators on ESPN and things of that nature that talk about this, but it's not really said enough, especially when it comes to the way that actual in-game announcers talk about him. Jimmy G is a good quarterback. He really is. I qualified Jimmy G as a high-level game manager. I've told people before that Jimmy G is someone who can win you the game. You just don't want to make him win you the game. And so one of the things that bothered me about this particular game, when it came down to the final moments of the game. One of the biggest plays was on third and 10 from the San Francisco 25-yard line. Jimmy G threw a short pass to George Kittle for about, I would say, 12 yards. It's George Kittle. He turned it into a 39-yard game. A few plays later, first and 10, George Kittle again gets hit with a pass and makes the right moves, gets out of bounds. He's bigger, faster, and stronger than pretty much everybody else and gets it done. The problem that I have is the announcers in that moment talked about how good Jimmy Garoppolo was and how he was leading his team down the field. And it bothers me because I feel like, yes, Jimmy G is good enough and qualified enough to get some praise. But a 12-yard catch that gets turned into a 39-yard gain is not on the quarterback. He has some amazing weapons. George Kill is arguably the number two tight end in the NFL today. Some would say number one. This is the exact same thing that happened a couple of years ago against the Saints. George Kittle made a play, but because it was a passing play, Jimmy Garoppolo got credit, and that's not right. Did Jimmy Garoppolo do a good enough job on that drive? Yes. But let's not forget that it was third and 10. He had missed on both of the previous passes. Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback, but his weapons more than anything else are what make him better. It was a great game with a wild ending. Both teams came out of it 2-1, and one, so it's going to be really interesting to see if they meet back up again. As I said earlier, the Packers face the Steelers this weekend, and the 49ers will go on to face the reeling Seahawks. Let's get into the rest of the games. Carolina beat Houston on Thursday night to reach 3-0 for the first time since 2015, the year they went to the Super Bowl. Sam Darnold threw for 304 yards. The Titans defeat the Colts 25-16 behind a three-touchdown performance from Ryan Tannehill. In one of the multiple walk-off wins of the day, the Falcons sent the Giants to 0-3 with a 40-yard field goal from Yanwei Koo as time expired 17-14. The Chargers took the road win against the Chiefs in a down-to-the-wire game that saw the Chiefs turn the ball over four times. Justin Herbert scored all four touchdowns for the Chargers and added 281 passing yards as well. 
The Browns dominated the Bears 26-6. Rookie Justin Fields was sacked nine times in this game. I'm pretty sure he's still having nightmares right now about Miles Garrett, who had four and a half sacks in the game. Despite a valiant effort by the Lions to overcome a 13-0 deficit, Justin Tucker dashed the Lions' hope of winning with a record 66-yard field goal to seal the 19-17 win for the Ravens. The Saints won against the Patriots for the first time in Foxborough since 1995. Rookie Mac Jones struggled in this game, throwing three interceptions. The Cardinals scored 24 second-half points to take down the Jaguars 31-19 to reach their first 3-0 record since 2015. Josh Allen powered the Bills to a 43-21 victory over the Washington football team. Allen became the first Bills player to ever have four passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown in a game with zero interceptions. The downhill slide continued for the Jets as they fell to 0-3 after falling to the Broncos 26-0. This was the Jets' 12th straight September loss. The Vikings topped the Seahawks 30-17 thanks to three second-half field goals. Russell Wilson had been 7-0 against the Vikings until this loss. The Rams topped the Buccaneers 34-24 behind four touchdowns from Matthew Stafford and 121 yards and one touchdown on just three catches from Deshaun Jackson. The Cowboys hung 41 points on the Eagles in a dominant performance on Monday night. With all the news being thrown around, you need the proper defense. Time for the Cover 3, the top three stories of the week. Number 3. Our number three story for this week is that the rookie quarterbacks are struggling. Of the four rookie quarterbacks who have started games, they've only won one of those games. And that one was when Mac Jones faced off against Zach Wilson and somebody had to win. This statistic stands out to me based on the idea that you have to have a good rookie quarterback and you want to just throw him out there and let him go. Do I think that there are certain situations where it can function? Yes. But looking at the way that the rookie quarterbacks have looked this year, it does seem like the one player who is in the best position so far is Trey Lance, who isn't starting this year. He's been given the opportunity to sit behind a quality starter in Jimmy Garoppolo and learn. Lance has been utilized some. He even scored a touchdown this past weekend. However, he's being allowed to rest and learn and grow. The other quarterbacks aren't, and it doesn't look like they're going to have very much success. We'll see how this continues to play out, but as of now, it's going to be very rough. Number two. Our number two story is Richard Sherman got a tryout with the Buccaneers. I'm really happy for Richard Sherman because he is honestly one of my favorite players. The situation that he found himself in before the season started was one that was pretty bad. And it looked like his career might be over. I really am hoping that he can at least give with a team like the Buccaneers who I feel would do really good with rehabbing his image and his character and getting him back to a place of good mental health as well as physical health. And if nothing else, he can possibly get another ring. I am really excited and really hopeful that this pans out for one of my favorite players of all time. Number one. Our number one story for this week is Coach Matt Nagy saying that all three quarterbacks for the Bears 
are under consideration right now due to Andy Dalton's injury, Justin Fields' injury after, you know, taking nine sacks this past week, and Nick Foles, who is healthy and just kind of, you know, over there. This situation, I don't believe can get any worse. First off, I just, I just, this, this statistic completely blew my mind. The Bears had one net passing yard this week. One. Uno. Single. One net passing yard. They had that one net passing yard because their quarterback had been under so much duress that he took nine sacks in one game. I don't understand how Matt Nagy can now say, oh, well, all three of our quarterbacks are under consideration. No quarterback should be under consideration if you are going to allow your rookie quarterback to get sacked nine times and not make the necessary adjustments. At no point did you create any type of situation in that game where you protected him more. You dropped five multiple times and just allowed Justin Fields to be hit time and time and time again in a situation where, you know, he's a rookie quarterback who you have not put in position to fully comprehend all the things that need to happen when it comes to being a quarterback. You at no point put him in a position to have success. And there's a part of me that wants to be surprised by this, but then I go back to when you had Mitchell Trubisky and your first season, you put him in a position for success, and after that, you stopped doing it. And so now you are saying that all three of your quarterbacks are under consideration based on their health status because Andy Dalton, who's currently sidelined with a left knee bruise, needs to go out there in a position where he might get sacked and break his leg. Justin Fields is probably in shell shock after getting hit for nine sacks. That doesn't include the amount of times that he was actually just hit while still being able to throw the ball. And Nick Foles, who, let's face it, Nick Foles is not a great quarterback. He's sufficient at best. But also, someone on ESPN said this, and I don't remember who it was, but they brought up this point, and I thought it was very, very valid. Matt Nagy said Justin Fields wasn't ready, but you still have Nick Foles. If Justin Fields is not ready and Nick Foles has been in your system for over a year, you went to him last year. Why, oh why, is Justin Fields starting and you have someone who knows your system and can play in your system? It's not often that I honestly feel that a head coach might be incompetent and not deserving of their job. This is one of those situations. Justin Fields deserves blame for playing poorly. I am not abdicating him of any of the fault. However, this is a coaching problem. I thought that Matt Nagy might be able to save his job. I also said earlier this year that I didn't think he wanted it. Nothing about this current situation 
makes me feel any more confident that he wants to have a job. And I would not at all be surprised if by week eight, if things have not improved, he no longer has a job. Up, down, or the same, teams are always changing in the power rankings. We have a new number one in the power rankings, and it is none other than the Los Angeles Rams who get to the number one spot after a dominant 34-24 victory over the former number one, the Buccaneers, who've fallen to number two. Coming in at number three, despite a rough start to their game, they were able to score 24 second-half points and get the win, the Arizona Cardinals. The Browns come in after nine sacks against the Bears at number four. The Bills are number five after a dominant performance by Josh Allen. I do believe that this is the lowest that the Chiefs have ever fallen in my power rankings. They are currently at number six. At number seven is the 3-0 Raiders. At number eight are the Packers after that thrilling game this week. At number nine is the team that almost beat the Packers, the 49ers. And coming in at number 10 is the team that beat the Chiefs and is coming off a hard-fought victory against the Lions, the Baltimore Ravens. If you want to see the rest of the power rankings, please check out my social media at APNFLPod. That is all I have for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the All-Purpose NFL Podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and have a good one.